Hi, and welcome to the 95th edition of Keen Minds. We're covering NBC's The Blacklist. This was Season 7, Episode 11, Victoria Fenberg. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Saigo. And I'm Tessa. And hey, uh, welcome as, back. Yes, welcome back. We are not spoiler-free, folks. Uh, we, may, we are definitely going to be going over spoilers for anything prior to episode 11 of this season and we may also have spoilers for the future so just a heads up a not friendly that we reminder. have had that much to know about it yet so it should be relatively kosher here yeah so how did you like the episode in general hi and i you know the beginning was fun um i enjoyed red's scenes which is shocking for me right now as upset as I've been at red for the last like two years or so <laughs> um but uh those are really the only scenes I fully and en- no not not the only scenes I also enjoyed uh wrestler scenes were pretty good but overall I I, I just, yeah, just I, wrestler I, in I, ballet tights is something that yeah, I, that's an image <laughs> yeah. like Liz said that's an image mm-hmm. um I just, and I, I think we discussed this with Lady Luck. It's the same writing duo that did Lady Luck. It's, for some reason, with these two writers, I feel like they have really good overall ideas, and then the shot goes off, and they just miss the mark. It's like, this could have been great, but it's, it's just okay at best. I... Before I knew who wrote the episode, my response was, I'm not sure if the writing's bad or if the actors that were playing the guest stars were just not jiving well. Because it just, it felt like very stiff dialogue. It The dialogue was very stiff. Yeah. I thought about the actor. I wasn't too crazy about her. But then I'm not sure because I've never seen her in anything else. And the dialogue did feel very stiff. It when it first started popping up for me was when she was talking to, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but the guy whose son died, who, mm-hmm. who overdosed and died. Like, is that whole scene with the two of them like, felt so stiff and there was so little chemistry there. It felt like it was an info dump of this is what we're doing. This is how we're approaching this with no real creative finesse and I don't know best I remember these these writers and I say this coming from a you know a uh, prose background these writers are prose writers they're novel writers aren't they I believe I think they are novel writers yes um that maybe some of it I don't know it's I, I have no idea I don't know any I haven't watched or read anything else that they've written I I don't know what the deal is but for some reason their episodes do not connect well with me. They're, you know, I was describing it to you before as if, as if you are looking at the episode through a dirty glass, and and you know that in the other side something good is happening, but somehow what you see, it's mudded and not very clear. Whether you got episodes like um, Katerina Rostova, that was. I mean, the writing was flying, the words and the connections, and everything felt good. Um, this, this I find myself, and it was the same thing I felt with Lady Locke, um, that it, it felt 
um, you know what? It, it almost feels to me that the writers may not have put the same effort in understanding the characters. Like they come in, they do this, but they're not, it's almost like they're not there in the writer's room of the entire time. They're not connected to the characters. They don't, they don't, the words that they put in, in, in the characters are not, don't really go with the characters. It, it, it could be, and, and it's, I, it feels to me, and I'm not a writer at all. It, it feels to me that they're that if they're almost there, it it it, it could be so much better. Because the episodes in in general, I mean, this was great. David Locke was great. I mean, these crazy blacklisters that you're not sure if you like them or not. The overarching ideas are great. Yes, it's the execution that falls short. Yes. Yes, the the usually the the even the blacklist always do does very interesting things with intercutting of scenes. There is one scene and you leave it and you have kind of a theme in the in that scene and then you cut to what seems to be a very different scene, but somehow the themes continue, they complement, and it is only when you go back and you look at, oh, look at that, that kind of things seem to not happen there. And well, that's also be- going to be direct, uh, directors as well, will have a lot of influence over... But this I is mean, Billy what- Rowe. Ooh, this is Billy yeah, Rowe. No. Yeah, no. no that's not it. <laughs> no. No, it, there is there is something I, I my feel is that these writers have not spent the time with the rest of the team and they have not maybe watched all the episodes the the as many times as maybe they needed to because it feels that there there is so many great ideas I mean this was brilliant I mean this is this 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 the, the daughter of I mean this is goes from takes themes from the third estate, takes themes to, um, you know, daughters going against the parents. It's very much, uh, you know, the, the themes are very good. The, the th- Sorry, I was going to say the approach um, with the way Red used this particular blacklister in this particular case and Liz calls him on it at the end where she says is that why you gave this to us so that you could paint a picture of how easy it is to 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 create a forgery of something and that reminded me so much of um I'm blanking the Cypress season- Agency yes Cypress Agency thank you uh, w- because that's exactly how Red was handling he was leading Liz to the truth about Tom through her cases. And so it, it was kind of a hearkening back to that, which I enjoyed. But it, when, and as you said, the, the dialogue, it's kind of one of those, there's, there's something that's a continual statement in, in script writing books and in, you know, studying script writing and such. It says, you know, to make sure that characters have unique voices and that the statement can only be said by that character. It shouldn't be something that just anybody can say. And when you have dialogue that doesn't quite fit, where it falls short, especially in a show like this in which every line means something, and especially, and granted, they had no way of knowing it, but our season's getting cut short with 
with the coronavirus going on and, and all of production halting. But when that happens, when the writing falls short enough that it, it leaves you going, so am I allowed to trust this or am I not? Because there was a line at the end, um, I think it was during the conversation between Red and Liz. I have them here. Uh, it was the conversation between Red and Liz when they were discussing, you know, why he gave her the case and all of this. And Red says, well, I, I believe the line was, I thought my casket was real. And yes. when I first heard it last night that we're recording this on Saturday, but when, when it aired on Friday, I heard that line and I perked up. And my brain made the connection of casket, not necessarily as his little gold casket that he'd been chasing down the whole episode, but as a casket that someone would lay in, because we're dealing yes. with who's Raymond Reddington, and yeah, that's where my the casket was definitely a, a a point there. Very good. I that's where my brain went. That's where my brain has been conditioned to go with the blacklist. But if you can't trust the dialogue, if you can't trust the depth of the writing there, it makes it kind of iffy. You, you won't know until. You don't know how much you, weight you can put on things. My, my feel for these writers is I'm not sure that they're there on a regular basis. That's that's what it feels like, that they don't know the voices of the characters so well. If you if you were to if you and you, it used to be that when you started in the blacklist, they started writing episodes with another writer, more senior writer that had been there longer and could kind of get the voices that the. the the, the unique or, feel for it. Or you were you worked your way up through the ranks, which is how many writers come to be staff writers. Uh, Sam Christopher yes. uh, is a newly minted staff writer, and she worked her way up. She was a script coordinator. She's been with the show for years. She didn't get her first episode until last year. Yes. And then for this season, she got staffed, and that's. You know, if you're not immediately put on the staff, a lot of times that's how it happens because that helps the person really know and really understand, especially on a layered show yeah. like this one. Yeah. There is an, a deep understanding there. And I'm not knocking that. People come in who have credentials from other places. Otherwise, you Some people be are very good out. about capturing the voice or they are they're, they're, they, they, I, I'm not sure. And, and I don't want them to knock them down because they're really, right. they're, there is nothing wrong with the episodes. But there is always something that you feel like you're looking at, at it through a dirty glass. Like, you could see that there could be so much brilliance there. They, it was great. The blacklister was great. They do this very good blacklisters that you cannot quite like, but you cannot quite dislike. Like Lady yeah, Locke. very morally ambiguous. Yeah, like Lady Locke. I mean, she was crazy. But at the same time, it's like, yes, but you do know what gamblers do to families so at the same time this is the same i mean this woman is going against her father because the son was addicted on drugs but does she know what happened maybe the kid was always addicted on drugs it seems like it's all very ambiguous and i like that they, i like yeah. their blacklisters i felt like let's let's focus in on that family for a little bit because oh, there were, yeah, I, I went back and I rewatched it three times because I don't typically I typically only do one more rewatch unless it's just a fantastic episode but I just really wanted to make sure I was not overlooking something that I should be seeing and the first thing that 
really cut, and this goes back to the stiff dialogue, because this is 100% writing right here, is that when um, when the FBI first came in, I think it was Wrestler and Liz, uh, first walked in to talk to them, the dad says, well, my family is here. This is my wife so-and-so and my daughter so-and-so. And it's like, I just sat there and just kind of shook my head and went, that was such an info dump. Like, there's so many other ways. It was they are here because of this and these are their names because we haven't mentioned that and i have to let you know how i am related to these people and they are entering you know enter from stage left in, sort of thing the, and it in, just went <laughs> they, this, that's Painful. something that the blacklist doesn't do ever no. the blacklist always leaves you thinking who are these people and by being drawn into understanding who they are you're drawn into the character and they also trust the audience because i mean this, this the is woman is there looking like she belongs there. You have to trust the actor. And maybe that's what they don't do. They don't trust actors. I and wonder if they have a script writing background. They don't. I, I, I'm, If I'm remembering correctly, because I remember going and looking this team up. Um, I believe it's a married couple. Yes, um, they are. I went and looked them up when, uh, when Lady Luck, because it was such an odd feeling with Lady Luck. And... Best I remember, and I could be wrong, and that's, if I am, apologies, but best I remember, they come from a novel writing background. And I will tell you, as someone who comes from a prose background, who is currently, you know, working with scripts, not, you know, I don't have my own show or anything, but, uh, you know, there is a difference in most, the mostly the autonomy, autonomy, excuse me, that you have over your own novel, even if you're working with a writing partner, you know, you were the showrunner of that. There is no actor inhabiting. There is no, you control what the audience understands and imagines. Script writing, especially, especially television script writing is a very collaborative process. You're working not only, if you were a staff writer for a script, you're working not only with the showrunner, whose vision you have to meet, but other writers. You're working from shows that you have not, probably, in this far into a show that you weren't even around for when the when the conversations were being had on this. Mm-hmm. You have to trust those, the actors that are there, the director, the stunt people I, every inch of it it's so collaborative and if you don't come from that background I could see where it'd be very difficult um like I have always enjoyed working with other people so I think that I would very much enjoy doing that but I could see where if you come from a novel writing background you're cemented there where that transition would be very difficult yeah well I uh, I um Train us as, as a director, and you you do so much of the things you do. You trust the actor. I mean, the text is there, but the actor is saying it, and and you sometimes you just cut things off because they're unnecessary. When the actor gets the character, a mm-hmm. lot of the writing is unnecessary. Like when they had lines when Liz died, and and uh, and and uh, Spader said. I'm just going to literally crumble down in, you know, without my foundational element, I'll crumble down. And that scene was worth a thousand words. Yeah. And, and, and I will say that James's scenes in this episode were amongst my favorites. I, I felt like, and 
Tessa and I were discussing this before we started recording. An actor, a, a fantastic actor that's that is secure in their own craft, you know, has been doing this like James has for years and is just very comfortable in their craft. They can take bad dialogue and make it tolerable. Mm-hmm. And a good writer, similarly, a, a bad actor can kill the dialogue. Exactly. And so, like, <laughs> writers are kind of get the, the, the worst of it sometimes because, you know, I mean, their, their dialogue can be butchered. But Jane, and I, I think that's why I lean more towards this being a writing issue with this episode is because James was able to take these scenes. James and Hisham was. The birthday he may scene have had great. a greater control over his lines than the rest of the actors do. And he, he may, may have. have tweaked them or adapted them. And, and also because he is re- an executive producer. Yeah. So he, he does a level of control that the other ones don't. But, I, I mean, the blacklister, it's like, I like the concepts they come up with. And I think that they, you know, with a little more time and work in there, they could get two episodes that would be phenomenal. Um, but one of the most interesting things to me is that we are, this time, I know that Liz believes that she was given this as a fake, but this is when we start seeing the magician. And and I know that a lot of people were very upset when we had earlier in the season and ready saying, oh, I don't know, it's luck. You know, you trusted. I, I am comfortable with chaos when everything with a Frank Bloom mess and a Ram got it. And, that, and, and a lot of people were very uncomfortable with that. And saying that, you know, that seems like the writers are just, you know, jumping the shark. I mean, it's not even jumping the shark. It's like they're jumping. It's like a whole (laughs) bank of sharks jumping. (laughs) And I I said, no, this is this is actually been anchored from the very beginning that when we met Red, it's we were the audience in a in a magic show we had the lights and we had the rabbit and and the smoke and everything looked beautiful and we thought that red did everything for reasons yet red is saying life is full of lovely little ironies and red is talking about you know like things just sometimes happen for a reason and he had been saying about chaos and being comfortable in chaos and trusting that things will happen. So when when we got to this episode, you can see that he really didn't give them this case. Liz thought that because now Liz is paranoid and she t- totally bought that red controls everything. But we, the audience, have a, a, a point of view that Liz doesn't have. We know that he gave them this case because he was in the midst of Lemba's birthday. He came and it turned out that he's he was able to sell this thing and, and now he can't because he's a fake and he has to find the real stuff. So there's nothing. like. So I wonder if the Cyprus agency was really because Brett wanted Liz to consider the adoption thing or consider her own origins that she didn't know about, or it just presented itself. 
it, it just is. worked out that way because yes. I mean she'd been going through the adoption for years or well uh they'd been trying to adopt for oh, about a year at that point I think yeah, they they discussed it for a year and uh went through the process for six months by then yeah and so I mean they they were a year and a half into that and so you know I could see Red of coming, you know, that he came across something like that. And he's like, oh, that would be nice. Because he knew the moment that a child was in the picture that that cemented. And he, I think he said something to that degree in season three, maybe, before Tom and Liz. Yeah, even in that episode, he told them. That that it cements them together forever. And, I mean, even now... They have a child, you know, even with Tom gone, they have a child together. It's, there's, there's a connection there. Yeah, and make them part of the family. And and those lines from the Cyprus agency are are pivotal. You know, there is nothing as fundamental as the decision to have a child. And, and, and it changes everything. And it always comes from the inopportune moment. That, that all, but. But the funny thing is, we are now thinking everything Russ does have a reason. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just lucky. <laughs> I, I think it's probably a happy medium somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, that he is a man of opportunity. And I mean, because he can't have survived as long as he has on luck alone. No, no, no person is that lucky. He can make contingencies, but sometimes he's perfectly comfortable with chaos. Well, I think that's probably accurate, but I do think that he is a man that thinks well on his feet and that that takes advantage, not necessarily in a bad way, but is is able to adjust to the situation to pull it around to his advantage. It's Mm -hmm. a true talent of his. Yes. And so he's able to read people. Yeah. He's very good at it. And so that's that's a lot of it. And it's it's funny because you were talking about how Liz Liz is so convinced about that and how we as viewers have different a different, you know, lens to look through this in. But so many viewers and we've talked about this multiple times before because I've fallen prey to it, in which you, you look at Red and you think, Oh well, he's infallible. You you fall under his own spell, the spell that he's got yeah, everybody else in the show. He works very hard to make people yeah. believe that he knows everything, he controls everything. And now that we've been peeling those, we see that he's he's a con man. Yeah, and and a con man will a manipulator, a con man, any name you want to add to it, will walk into a room and they will own the room whether they should be able to or not. Yeah. Because they will speak with such confidence that even if it's negating what you know is true, you find yourself going, wait a second, maybe I'm wrong? Yeah. It's a confident thing. And it just, some people can pull it off, some people can't. Raymond Reddington is off the charts for it. And I, I still stand by that I can't imagine any, I know they looked at other actors, but James pulls it off better oh, than yeah. anybody else I can think of. Yeah, it, definitely. Um, th- there was uh, there was only a moment of wrestler when he was talking about wrestler in tights. Should we talk oh, about no, there, wrestler in tights? I think we should. Um, most certainly we should talk about wrestler in tights. <laughs> and, and I'm just seeing wrestler as it is. <laughs> oh, I think a 
glad the audience is seeing him as we know. <laughs> yeah, as we know it with a little with a little tights and the ballet shoes and usually they wear makeup and the whole thing is like, oh no. It's hilarious. It's, it's I do really find the wrestler fun. attractive, but not in tights. <laughs> oh my gosh. It no, just it I was mean, a give me something, give me a speedo or something like that. But please know the tights. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the tights, thank you, but. no, I didn't need that visual. I, I just, I thought I it was I love lid, but I never liked the men in tights. <laughs> I thought it was interesting from a character point of view that that's not, I mean, he comes from a very much a, you imagine that he was a Boy Scout as a kid, that he was an analytical sort of individual that, I mean, his father was a police officer, he grew up in Detroit, all of these, he's a you know a man's man, but he was in theater production and he was in the arts, and I think that's kind of fun. You know, it, it adds something a little bit you know a little bit different, and it's not something that I would have necessarily seen or <laughs> expected from him. And I think that was the point. I do. I didn't feel like it was a misjudging of character as much as it was revealing something that we are supposed to feel like yeah well and especially because we're gearing up towards the episode and i don't Mm. know if they got to film that one uh they filmed it actually i spoke to uh ali blacklister about this because she she does so much uh research for behind the scenes that is the last episode they have filmed and they are currently uh because they're shuttered in in la and they are uh doing their best post-production from their homes in Los Angeles mm. for that episode. I don't know what the, the title of it is. I've got the, the title the of the episode. What's it called? The Brothers. Brothers. Interesting. I hadn't heard the, the Brothers, title name. Yeah. Um, they had the they, picture of like it looked like four ki- four guys four two adults and two, and two um, like teens so I think that is wrestler and his brother and, the, and them as kids. Okay, um, but that, from what I understand, that will be our season finale, unless something, I mean, because everything's so up in the air with the whole coronavirus thing, and they they do post-production in Los Angeles, and they do filming in New York. I mean, they are just in yeah. all sorts of trouble with Blacklist. Um, it's funny, because, uh, <laughs> so Brian Eggle dropped a little bit of shade on his Instagram the other day before they, they uh, halted production on shows. And he said, I love it how nobody else in Los Angeles and New York is, I, I, I'm not quoting this verbatim, but that, you know, people are being told to stay home. He said, and we're filming in Bellevue Hospital. How does that make sense? And then like a day or two later, production started, you started seeing production groups mm-hmm. halt. It's it's for the safety of the of the actors of everybody involved. The crew and, and everybody. Yeah, it's yeah, makes, it makes perfect sense. Well, I mean, gotta gotta we're do it. We're going to be pissed and we're going to be you know upset about it, but I would rather you know what safe. safety first. That's yep, the only thing I, that matters. Exactly, and so I, you know, they they did get renewed for a season eight. Um, so they'll figure it out and they'll adjust. It'll be fine. Maybe you know NBC will be able to provide them with some extra episodes so they can adjust for that, or maybe they can tighten up their writing. I like the form, the more episodes. Thank you. Yes, well, you can I, do both. 
Yeah, let's do both. Because their writing used to be super tight. Like, come on, John. Tighten it back up, I, man. I think it is very tight. I no, think that not. is more tight than we think it is. No, um, I know. I know I'm the lone voice here, but I, but oh. I still believe. I'm a believer. I, I still believe that they know where they're going. I still believe that they have a goal. I just think they've stretched it beyond where they originally thought they were going to be at. And therefore, the story is being stretched. It is a very popular opinion. But I gotta say you something. I've been working at the numbers. I cracked the code of the numbers. I'm not talking about it. But what I do tell you is that it was always meant for eight seasons. It was. That's the numbers. We're going to get every number that we need to get what we need. We are. It's, I know that is everybody loves to think it is. And some of the, like the season five feel like, oh my God, how long can you go with his bones? But in retrospect, when you see what they were doing, sometimes you don't see what they were doing until you get to two seasons later. And then you go like, ah, I see <laughs> it. They have always been off with pacing. I have yes. complained about Bokenkamp's pacing. That's not Bokenkamp's forte, no. No, it's not. It's because he's a feature writer. I, I am convinced that's the reason. I, I may be wrong. That's It's happened before. But I, am, I think it's because he's a feature writer. And with features, you have, you know, a couple hours to tell your story. Here, you have, we're, we're going to go to eight seasons or more. And that's just, you can't write it like you would a feature. You have no. to play the long game. And I, the one I always go back to is the major. We met the major in season two. He put the hit out on Tom in season two. And it wasn't until halfway through season three that that came to fruition. And either that makes the major the most incompetent, successful man in his business... <laughs> or <laughs> I, well, maybe just, time was a little compressed and but it didn't make sense and it's because the pacing is off well and but john's not the only one to do that he's not the only one to fail at pacing that, tons of people do but it frustrates right, but me but let me tell, let me tell you something there is something that that the blacklist does that and i haven't got really aware of it until I started looking at things back in this hiatus and I started thinking sometimes they give us scenes that we think are at some particular time that they're not that they're not for example that scene with 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 uh, Tom finding picking up the suitcase that we saw at the end of season four that didn't happen until five for two, when he arrived. Well, five for one when he arrives home and Liz is coming back from the road trip and he's there, or no, I'm sorry, he's coming back from Europe and he's there. No, no uh, he's that coming was back trip. from the road trip. It was the road trip. So yeah. five for one is when he picks up the suitcase, but we see it before Red goes back to the farm and sees that he's gone. So they sometimes do these things just because of the shock value, just because it 
brings anticipation that you know who picked up that suitcase. It doesn't mean that that scene belongs in there. There is sometimes they play well, a little was, fast. That was the it. last episode of season four. Yes. He came back in the last episode of season four. No. Yes, but yeah. There is time. There is there is time. They presented that episode, that that scene before Red picked up the went to, to find the suitcase. And that didn't happen because Red went back to the hotel. He was living there. He was in New York stealing cars. And a little time has passed because he's at a hotel now living permanently. And it's the summer and Cooper has decided that he's going to tell everybody. It's it's maybe not like months that have passed, but it had, some time has passed. And we are meant to believe that happened at the same time it didn't. So when we saw the major tell him find him, is that is that that shouldn't be the there? way though. That that shouldn't be the way. And some TV shows are just bad about that. I mean, in Blacklist is always one they've got a, a pacing problem. Two, they seem to forget sometimes that it actually does take time to move between D.C. and New York, even if you're filming in New York. Um, I mean, that's the way that the the, the universe of a blacklist operates. Well, I mean, and like on this episode, I was kind of laughing that this poor woman seemed to have one set of clothes. Like that dress that she was wearing was all that she wore the entire time. Was she she painting? She had another thing. Nope, that was it. I, I went, I've seen it three times. She was Didn't in she that had a sweater or something? She had a, uh, like a, sh- a shawl that she was wearing, kind of like oh, a robe that's what she's it was wearing over shawl. it. But it was, I, I saw it on the second or third round through. It was over that dress still. Oh, okay. Like she was wearing that from the beginning to the end. So, I mean, for a well woman, I guess that's what it was supposed to be, but it felt very much like several days um but i don't know it's if if there's an issue where they're handing you scenes that are should be out of order they, they shouldn't be doing that you should be able to follow without having to contort into all sorts of different directions to try to figure out this puzzle piece of their current timeline it doesn't bother me it bothers me I, because I'm a huge fan of timelines. Uh, continuity is my jam. And that there's another show. I won't mention the name of it. But if you know me, if you followed my Tumblr for any length of time, you probably know what it is in which they literally. They, they went back on their their world's calendar and used two totally different like they said oh well it's been so many years since this happened and then changed it all within the same episode and that's you've got to be able to follow the continuity of things and if what you're saying you know where i'd have to go back it's been a while since i've done a rewatch full rewatch of blacklist but if they ended season four with tom with the bones and then that wasn't supposed to happen till right before Liz comes home, and there's supposed to be all this time in between. Like that's not appropriate. Like they've got to find a better way to do that. I don't think they can, because you gotta have that that um. There, there is something that happened when you knew who had the bones. 
okay and that is something that unless you really look at the totality of it you're not gonna see why Kaplan did very weird things when she dug those bones first it was not her first choice um my the other gen in my life in reddit um she I've been going crazy thinking, why did she think that she was giving Liz the truth? And a lot of people were saying, well, she was trying to separate Red from Liz. It didn't quite jive for me. It didn't because that's not what she said. But um, she did very weird things. The first thing is she told Red, who does that? If she really wanted just to give the bones to Liz, all she had to do was Give the bones to Liz. Have Denison give the bones to Liz. Have them delivered through FedEx. Here is your bag of bones. Uh, have them delivered <laughs> through, I don't know, anybody. Uh, have Denison break into their apartment. She had Tom, uh, Tom pick them up. She had Tom call Denison when she he picked them up. And then she told Red about it. So that... It's important because if you start thinking about the, the logic of that, you start thinking there is another thing that she was doing that wasn't just simply giving the bones to Liz. And what Jen, the other Jen figured out was that the bones were supposed to, she believes the bones were Katerina's. And by Red hiding them, he was making Liz believe that there was a lot of danger coming from her mother's enemies and he was protecting her. And once that we see the Townsend directive, we get, wait a minute, if she's dead, the danger is over because there is nobody to hold Liz uh, hostage for, there is, there is nothing, she's not going to come forward because she's dead. So there was a, a sense that by keeping those, those hidden, she... Red was giving himself a, 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 an excuse to be in Liz's life that he didn't need to be. And that's what he, what she was doing by digging the bones, is telling Liz, listen, there's no danger for you. Your mother is dead. There's no reason for you to be in Red's life. Get out of that life and that's it. There's, there's nothing coming for you from her yeah. point of view. So that, that to me makes sense. And I think that, by showing us who Tom Tom was the one picking them up, showing us that she told Red, we should start thinking in terms of, wait a minute, what is this woman doing? Because it doesn't make any sense. And I've, I've what I found is in the blacklist, things make sense. It is just that you have to really ask yourself, what are they doing? because you're not getting all the puzzle pieces at once. So you're getting a little bit of this and you think, oh, I got the whole thing. No, you didn't. Now you're going to get the rest of the pieces and you go like, ah, that's where it goes. I think that the real key here is that this gen needs to do a rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, it, it, um, it's such a complex, and there's a lot of people that are getting very frustrated with it and, and I give us something real. And I think you can't. You gotta kind of pixelate that picture and have people build their own 
their own picture as it as you get in the pieces. It's very complicated. You mean pixelated like the intro? Yes, something like it. You you're getting pieces. So, um, we didn't get any any much for any of it except for. Well, I think that part of that may be because I I found myself at the end of this episode going where's the ballet like we've been working up to the ballet what why are we not ending with that why did we leave yeah, because it were it's two because episodes. they were su- it was supposed to be a two episode but probably they probably stretched it out because of they were like what oh we're they? not going to get our full 22 episodes this season so let's just go ahead and mm-hmm. and air it as long as possible yeah. which makes sense but it's also they wrote it a certain way and uh the coopers are not writing next week's episode that was written by lucas raider so he is very good at the heists now the interesting thing with that with that about about this episode that i found um was that there's been a lot of things about cooper does cooper really believe that red is not raymond reddington um this and that and i i found myself interesting interested in learning that it was Cooper who told Red about the ballet. Yeah, that was interesting with the Herald, because we've never really heard Liz refer to him as Herald, and then Red repeated the name immediately after. I don't know why, it just, it was, I don't know if it was bizarre writing, or if it was meant Harold thought I would like to know, because it was almost like Liz was pissed that Harold told him, and and but but what was that was interesting there is that Cooper told Red because Cooper thought that that pertained to Red. So that tells me that Cooper, what was then Cooper doing when he was saying like Mr. Koslov? And then it hit me. Cooper knows that Red is the same Red that he used to know. He just thought that that Koslov was the identity he used to have before becoming Reddington, which was not in 1991. But I know that that is not a popular opinion. Um, so circling back around because we were talking about wrestler a few minutes ago, and I apologize, everybody. I did not write notes down, so a little bit scattered. We're all today. over the place. It uh, goes with the episode, but, too, Yeah, that's true. Um, but we, we were talking about that. You said the one thing that, you know, wrestler really had was the the talk about being in tights and that there are two different things one also in that scene and there was another scene that i want to talk about but him coming to liz and saying i killed your mother i didn't pull the trigger but i killed her because i dug into it i did this i really enjoyed that scene i felt like diego headed out of the park Yes, that was uh, a very good scene and for him. I saw something on someone's blog post that apparently John came out and said, oh, well, she didn't volunteer the information. The only reason, she, it's not that she's trusting Wrestler, it's that she didn't want him to feel guilty and this and that. I, you know, I feel like if you have to explain, if you have to deep dive explain your writing that much, and while it's not technically his writing, maybe he had to do that because the writers didn't portray it the way he needed them to. Um, I don't know, but I this felt is a like... Blabber the way- mouth. Let's get on real. She is. She She cannot keep any secret for any length of time. And wrestler's a good one to tell. Because he's gotten to the point now that he's deep enough in the gray. 
that he's not going to immediately go, we need to tell our superiors everything. He's going to hold on to things. He's going to, you know, work with her and trust her on things. He's he's grown in that way. So she can trust him. She, he's going to be a good ally at this point. Yeah. Well, and trust her is the one part that I don't agree there. I think that anybody who trusts Liz at this point is insane. That could be true. I, You know what I mean. All, all within... Yeah, you know, normal reasons. Yeah, um, of there, there was another scene at the end that was really good, and I, I thought that I really just felt like Diego was on his game for this episode. It was the scene with with um, uh, with Victoria at the end, and again, her lines, her acting, all of that was just really bizarre. Um, where she goes and she's talking to the guy and telling him that, oh, I'll take the fall with you, this and that. And so she walks out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and wrestler calling her on everything. And yeah. it was really, really interesting because we had Red set up that he might bring, you know, want to use her in the future, that he loved her work. He appreciated why she was doing it. They could have a business transaction in the beginning. And Wrestler came in and cemented that he knows what she did. And he's not overlooking it. He just doesn't have proof to bring her in. And it was very much... It it was a very interesting scene. I really liked it. um, Because it did allow... As deep in the gray as Wrestler's gotten, it allowed him to pull back to that... He is a cop. At his mm-hmm. core, he is a cop. And I, he should I be. I thought it he was hilarious that she was stealing from her family. I mean, really, she wasn't even a criminal. I mean, that's not a problem that Red, who stole the piece, uh, I mean, she, she is because she's also fencing. Um, Stolen her from her own family. Yeah, but she's fencing it. It's. It's on the black mark. I mean, she it's it's iffy. Um, I just thought, I thought it was brilliant that the actors that were playing that family they were just so cookie cutter. I mean, they really were. And I mean, if yeah, it was it was a little bit of typecasting. I would have liked the blacklist to go by, which they do brilliant sometimes. They cast people that you do not expect in a role. And they work very well. I don't think that they were given, they were very much like like chess pieces. You know, you're supposed to be the rich executive who has no heart. Um, and she was, so this is like shades of the, so I think that that's emerging as a theme is the children of parents who are doing things that they're not necessarily agree with are taking their hand and I want to remind everybody of Jennifer because I know that I have said this in the past, but if you really examine what the arcs have been, we're missing the big bad of season six. And I say why, because the big bad of season six was Jennifer. And she was using Liz to go against Red. And if you go with that, this is a theme that has become more used more and more often that we have seen this of of children going against the parents. Uh, we we saw it children going with the parents, which is very interesting in the previous episode by the same team of writers. And Lady Locke is the daughter who goes like, "Yep, well, I'm taking over the family business." And in this episode, is a daughter saying, 
you know what, I don't agree with what you did and I'm going to hold you responsible for it. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of that falls into pace with the way Liz is reacting to Red. Yes. So back back in season four, I think was when Lady Luck was. Mm-hmm. Season four, season five. It was family business. Right. That was yeah. that was the tagline. I mean, she thought Red was her dad. She was cool with it. She was excited about it. It was family business. They were all in a as good, good of a place good, as you uh, can. Good point. Yeah, as good of a place as you can be in the blacklist and mm-hmm. be family. <laughs> but you know, now she's at odds with him. She's like Gressler said, told playing you not dumb. To trust him. Yeah, I mean, it's that's just... a tagline this season. Yeah. Well, this it's interesting what what Red said. I love a juicy family drama: greed, resentment, betrayal, secrets. So you know that that's where we're going to see. What's the line from Tom? Few seasons back, secrets. Uh... Family uh, secrets put people in, in harm's way. Yeah. And so, it's, but that's, that's it, it's all coming down. Yeah. yeah, it is. So I I I see that a lot of people may be uh, a little upset with not having the ends and 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 you know you may even mentioned stretching it out. I see the thread starting to converge. Um, you know, part of that is the numbers. Part of that is the rewatches that I've done. I've done. Um, n- not sure that I put them all in Tumblr, but I did in Reddit. I did an entire series of looking at the bones from the point of view of every one of the players. It was, and and I thank you for that. You were the one who really got me into thinking into points of view. And once you look at what happens from the point of view, everything is illuminated. It does, and it I, I just as human beings, it's very easy to get stuck on various points of view you you may look you know i am a tom fan i'm a liz fan i'm a wrestler fan and so i'm going to understand those characters more than i might understand park who i just don't like <laughs> who has but she's I have, there for a reason maybe. she's telling a part of the story um, I I hope she is because I feel like every time they try to make her a big deal, they miss, and every time, and otherwise she just fades to the background. It just I don't know. I feel like they just kind of needed somebody there. We'll, we'll see. Time will t- will come back, and there may be a way to look at it later and say, okay, from her point of view, this all now makes sense. Mm-hmm. But. As human beings, we're we're inclined to look at the people we enjoy more, their point mm-hmm. of view first, rather than the people we dislike. And so that's just the way of things. But there is more human. in the blacklist than just the characters we like. There is oh, yeah. also a lot of people don't seem to be able to see the point, what a character knows, so and how they confuse us and confuse the issues to obscure what the mystery is, is by having something look from one character's point of view and confusing that with the audience point of view. What the character knows at one time is not what the audience knows, it's not what another character knows. So when you look at things, you have to always find whose point of view are you seeing things from. And that I find it very interesting. And I'm... 
Do we have to talk about finally seeing Red and Dembe on horseback? I love that. <laughs> like, I'm not sure why it happened, but I'm not opposed. It was cool. Like, it was It fun. was like elephants. They didn't need to be there, but it was cool. I'm good with it. I'm not going to complain. I mean, it was fun. And I think that's the point. I really do think that was the point of all that is that opening was just fun. It was exciting. It was red. It was, you know, it was a party and then it was a fake death and then it was a near death escape. I do wonder what happened to his uh, his Ukrainian friend's daughter though. He doesn't because... seem to have done much but again there's another daughter in danger. There is you know a, full, a fake death. There is a casket. It's It was just great and then the, the those lovely things that we don't get to see very often that, Dem- that Red knew that Dembe liked the scarf that he bought it that he sent Dembe away on a fool's errand and he and he had it in the under his hat you know I, I talk about their normal a lot when I talk about the Keens you know the 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 Keens normal is not everybody else's normal and how they had to find their own normal in their marriage to be able to function correctly mm-hmm. and that is such a beautiful example of Red and Dembe's normal in that to be able to <clears throat> to be able to get a present a surprise present for Dembe he told Dembe that a guy was following them sent him off I mean it's not just oh look over there it's that guy's following us you know, <laughs> I mm. half expected Dembe to look over at Red and go I shot him <laughs> you know <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I was just cackling though it was it was a great and he was so excited that he loved it yeah, it was it was it was a very warm scene, and I love that we saw Foucault and uh, can't remember the other guy's uh, name. Yeah, it's um, the new cleaners. Yeah, yeah, I like them. They're yeah. fun, and, yeah. I, and I, it I, was a man, and we saw Brimley. It was a it was a lot of fun. What was it that was, the same mom that uh, that we've seen uh, Dembe speaking to before his spiritual advisor. Yes, that's the same. Okay, cool. Yeah. cool. I, I assumed it probably was, but I just didn't go back and looked. That's, yeah. that's good though. Cause I mean that, that shows pieces that they have created roots where they are. They really have. I mean, yeah. as, as much as they used to, to move about and to always be on the go, they still are, but they have, they have deep roots that they have planted here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dembe has his spiritual life there. Red has Liz. I mean, they are not nearly as mobile as they used to be. They couldn't mm-hmm. just burn the identities and go at this point. Not not without giving up tremendous things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, the, I mean, that scene and the bathroom scene. We have to talk about the bathroom scene. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, the moment that Red said it, I laughed so hard because I feel this way. He said, do you ever think about that sitting in the bath is just like cooking in your own juices? Because I'm, I'm that nutcase that I have to take a shower before I take a bath. Of course. And then I, but then I go and I take, like I, I take another shower to wash my hair and everything. Like I, I only take baths to soak. I don't take them to get clean. I will never take a bath to get clean because to me, you will emerge just as dirty as you went in. Yeah, <laughs> you just redistributed. 
I've never heard someone else vocalize that before. And I was like, thank you, Red, for validating my insanity. And then they bring a a uh, a waffle maker, and then they're making the waffles in the same waffle maker. It was so just bad. great. It was just great. And then he's like, I'm hungry. You know, let's go use a waffle maker to make waffles. And the guys, I mean, it's it was just. I mean, it remind me of when they goes and is that. Uh, is that cayenne pepper? What a nice little kick when they're talking about Samuel and the uh, the nanny movies and the cub movies. That I mean, that kind of scene are just it's red at its best. Red and Dimbe have some great moments throughout the entire show where these little almost domestic things are sprinkled in in the middle of these chaotic situations. Here, they have just threatened a man, and they are basically holding him hostage in his own home, forcing him to to put him in touch with the forger. But we've seen this again and again. I mean, season one, when they were holding... Um, um, Craig. Uh, Craig. Oh, Keen. yes. We're uh, making talk, and then they're looking yeah, at, the, at the... At the, the three stooges, and they're laughing about the hat thing, and... Yeah, it's just it's so funny because that again that is their normal. When they're that, looking at the magazine in the in mm-hmm. season four, and you know they're they're finding I can't remember, remember the name of the magazine. Yeah, but I love that kind of stuff, and it's it, it's a nice piece of levity. And this writers do it well. That's that's those two scenes were very well done. Yeah. Uh, so that 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 was that was really good, and I think now we have to talk about the scenes with Liz because that is the real meat of the theory here. What Liz finally told Red that is that woman my mother, and I don't know if people noticed, but he didn't really say no. He just said she's a fake. That's very different from saying she's not your mother. Well, I mean, it was also interesting because I'm I'm sitting there and listening to him, and you know that I don't think that that's the real Katarina Rostova in Lottie Burbank. I know Katarina after you Rostova. made after you made a a, a spreadsheet, yes. Oh yes, my spreadsheet. <laughs> my thankfully my spreadsheet has been put away. I have not continued to add to that. My <laughs> I've only got so much time in my day. Um, but I you know I I don't think that that's our Lottie Burbank. Uh, Katarina, I think it's, you know, I, there are several different paths that could go down. We, we've covered that. But it was interesting to hear all of that because he did point out, and I don't think that she ever did say. She said she... I'm your mother. Yeah, she did finally say that, but she let Liz say it first. Yes. And that's when she that- goes like, oh, wait a minute, you think I'm your mother? Oh, okay, I'll be your mother. Exactly. And there is no precedent saying that this woman doesn't lie to Liz. Red, I would argue, has lied to Liz before, but in general, it takes a whole lot more for Red to do more than just lead her down a different path. To straight up look her in the eye and lie to her, it it would take something more extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no such such you know uh well it was it was they look in her this... eye when and, and lila did a terrific job there oh, i mean great. it was like oh you think that that's who i am that's pretty good 
And yeah. and I think that that when people get confused is is in the name because she is Katerina Rostova. That doesn't mean that she's the only Katerina Rostova. Yeah, I don't. I think I that don't her know. name is Katerina. I don't know. Um, I think there are a bunch of different things that could be happening there, and so that's. I'm not getting too devoted to one theory or another, other than I just really don't think she's cat. I, I don't no, think she's, she's, she's not cat. Dom's daughter. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I have I have not believed that since the moment that he met her in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there is a few very interesting theories that says that um, there is what he was really doing in there is actually just using her. I mean, leading the people to her if she got killed. Well, and if she didn't, well, then, he, you know, he got her saved. Um that meeting was Red, I don't think Red wanted her to die particularly. I think he would have preferred to yes. have kept her alive. But if push came to shove, obviously, you know, he's not he didn't fight Dembe too hard on that when he was like, stay in the car. <laughs> it's I mean, and all they would have had to do is mow the people down, really. <laughs> yeah. But Well he was saying your mother is gone. Um you know, it doesn't mean your mother is dead. It's just yeah, she's gone. It's um, it was all red speak, very yeah. much red speak. I wouldn't be surprised if Boken Camp and Eisendraft didn't take a very heavy, heavy pass at that scene. Probably, uh, probably they, they may was, have written that. Was very um, so, it, but it's interesting that Red now knows that she that she told Liz that she was Katerina, and now. I imagine that Red would start thinking, wait a minute, what else happened there that I'm not sure? Um, she said that. What else did she say? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and, and, and Ilya was there. Yeah. Who's not to say that, that Liz doesn't know that he's not Ilya? Well, Wrestler sat there and said, play dumb, that part. And then Liz, and I love Liz. I do. I love her dearly. But as you said earlier, she can't keep a secret. And so not only does she say, is this my mother? She goes and volunteers information. And that's always her downfall is when she volunteers information, people who are super manipulative and very good at what they do with it are able to use that to lead her down certain paths. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people are saying that this is like Jennifer too. I think it's different. This woman is... um. First, it's, it's playing with far deeper emotions of being your mother, um, and I and I and you know that I think that it is entirely possible that this woman is this biological mother. It's not the woman who raised her. It's not I her mother. I think that would get really complicated in ways that are a bit much. Just remember, um, you used to not believe me with a lot of things. <laughs> still not on board with your Carlerina. <laughs> I know, but you didn't believe at first that that Katerina was not the real one. Did no, I, I never thought she did. She was the real Katerina. Oh no, no, no. Okay, so at the very tail end of season five, six, when she showed up, I just said, you know, until proven otherwise, I have no reason to disbelieve it. But we saw like five seconds of her, and he called her Katerina. So I mean, mm-hmm. like, what else are you gonna do? But first episode in, I'm going, eh, no. <laughs> Yeah, as soon as, as he actually called her Katerina, like, you're not Katerina. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, all right. Do you have anything else for the episode? 
Um, no, I think that it, that pretty much covers his um, interesting. Um, I think there was a, there was, a, was that conversation in the car was certainly very important. Yeah. Um, you know, because she also used words like she preyed on emotions, and that's something that Liz is is falls very prey to. And I was remembering something. This this some people have compared this as as Kirk as a fake father, but Kirk was not a fake father. Kirk believed he was his yeah. father. So that's he a did. very different situation. Um, it, it, but it reminded me that what she told Kirk was. You know, you're a classic narcissist. You think what terrible things have people done to you. And and I don't know that. But Liz was really describing the things that happened to her. It was like she's a narcissist. She's the, thing, the, the person whose bad things happened to her. And I think that, that that inability. Liz is so desperate to find her biological parents that she will throw under the bus or the people that really love her. And the people that that have come and and to trust her and and to be a real family, in order to find a biological relative, and that's the lesson that she's learning. Just because somebody is your family doesn't is your relative doesn't make you a family. Yeah, and uh, but she, she's done that for a long time. That she feels like blood lets them get away with a lot of things. I mean, we've seen it with Red, we saw it with Kirk, and now we're seeing it with this woman. It's once she believes there's a blood connection there, the person can quite literally get away with murder. Yeah. And and she'll be like, eh, but that's who they are. You know? <laughs> and yeah. that's that's a flippant way of responding. And she would she just, would throw the task force under the boss or Red under the boss with not even a thought. Well, I mean, think about that conversation right after Kirk had Agnes up on the, the roof, was holding, you know, Agnes over the roof. And then he ends up in the hospital and Liz is talking about donating, you know, whatever. Because you want the answers. And Tom's like, this is the man that held our kid on a roof. Can we talk about this? Like, is this really, like, can you take the blinders off for five seconds? Yeah. And to be fair, he went the entire other way with his family of, I just don't want anything to do with them. But, you know, it's it's, it's the way you process trauma and different yeah. people process so it. So I don't have anything else, but it was, it was it's very interesting. The characters are, are really, you know, growing and we're, I think we're going towards the end. And I, I myself, I can't wait to see more. Yeah. Too bad we're four episodes short, but. Alas, all we want is to for them to all be safe. Yeah, I mean that's that's the key right there. And so, and all of our listeners as well, um, wherever stay you safe. guys are. Yeah, I mean because we've got listeners from all over the world. So you guys stay safe, practice good common sense, wash your hands. That shouldn't be. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing that people. And go take told, a walk in a hands. park if you have it away from people. Yeah, I mean, nature is a great way of healing and staying in normal because you can get a little crazy. Yeah, I know I have been. I mean, it's just me and the cat around here and that gets interesting. <laughs> you can always take the cat for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> you ever own a cat? <laughs> yeah. They, you put a harness on them and they fall over. <laughs> 
The people, never, I've seen people walking cats. I've never done it. I mean, I've always had uh, just outdoor cats. Cats yeah, are coming in and out of the house as they please. In fact, I never had had a cat that has not been exactly as they please. The idea that a cat will stay in a place I tell them to stay, it's bizarre to me. Mine will stay. I, I'll tell him to stay, and he'll stay sometimes. Yeah, well, that's a special cat. In my, yeah, in my, in my world, cats are like, um, I am the king. I live here. You serve me, and... Uh, you know, and if, if I just feel displeased for whatever reason, it would be my nails on your legs. Yeah, that's uh, my cat bites me, but yeah. So I, I'm sitting here, thing here, thing here, here, and he got under my desk and started biting my fingers. I'm like, thanks, dude. Love you too. Mm-hmm. I'm just the person that feeds you, takes care of you. No big deal. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, we've missed you. Good to be back. And uh, good to have Blacklist back for as long as we have it. Really looking forward to next week's episode. Like we mentioned, it's Lucas, and he's really good. Um, So you can catch us. You can listen to us on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And if you have anything you'd like to say, especially as everybody is practicing uh, social distancing right now, feel free to ping us on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. And Tess is over on Reddit. I'm not, but Tess is. <laughs> I am. Well, I'm on Reddit. I just don't ever check it. Yeah. All right, kid. Have a All good right, one. All right, bye-bye.